0: Hi, I'm Beck, and I'm Paul, and this is DVD Clutter. Okay, we started the term and went back into our <laughs> sorry teacher talk right up, I can't help it. We just finished our first week back.
1: But we're still going with the podcast that is all about DVDs and decluttering.
0: Yeah, just because we're back at work, it doesn't mean those pile of 500 DVDs is just going to magically disappear.
1: No, not going to clear away itself. (laughs) So instead, (laughs) we're going to watch them one by one, review them, and then decide what we're going to do with them.
0: Sounds excellent. Um, Although maybe not so much for me when I have to review ones like Parasite, which we watched last week.
1: Did we or did we watch Infection? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> parasite is the um, winner of the Palm d'Or this oh, year. The that's new in cinemas. One. That's right. That's, yeah. what,
0: that's why it's on my head. On my head. That's why it's uh, on my on my brain.
1: Yeah. Those listening at home won't realise that Beck actually has a pulsating parasite on her head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's literally on my head.
1: I was thinking about the DVDs, right, yeah, yeah. as a format, and I just don't think they're going to last. No. Do you know why?
0: Uh, no. You have,
1: to, you have to get up off the couch to put it I in know. the machine. Well,
0: yeah, that's easy for you. You've got a machine. I have yeah. to get up. <laughs> I, I talked about this at the start. I think I should put a photo up of what it looks like. But I have to get up, get my thing, get my little disc driver out of the cupboard. It's a get hand crank one too, cord. isn't it? I have to get on a fucking bike. <laughs> <laughs> this thing is human powered. <laughs> mm. No. Oh uh, Yeah, I was talking... Um, when I was like, oh, we're trying to get this up. I just think that I need some kind of DVD player that's I can cast it to my TV. Somehow. Yeah. Does that exist? Surely it does. Surely. If not, someone yeah. invent that, please. That's it. We'll pay anything. <laughs> yeah, Well, you know, we are teachers. So, yeah. <laughs> within reason.
1: Um, but we've got one of your DVDs this week.
0: Yes. And we talked a little bit last week about MIFF, which is the Melbourne International Film Festival, which is starting very soon here in yeah. Melbourne. Yeah,
1: listening to this, it will be starting... A week and a half away yep. from you if you listen to it when it's dropped.
0: Yes. Otherwise, it's too late and you've missed out. Yeah. And with the DV that we chose to do this week is one that I watched at MIF, Melbourne International Film Festival, in 2007.
1: 2007? Yes. Wow. So, that's a long time ago, I guess. Yeah. Oh, time goes so fast. And what is the title of that film? Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Good point. It's called Black Snake Moan. And it has Samuel L. Jackson in it and Christina Ritchie. Uh, Also, Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Who I was a big fan of in 2002. Yeah, why not? And went to see live in 2006. So, he was on my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Love that guy. He's a good performer. Mm. It was at Rod Laver Arena. Massive. You know, just a concert where you go to where everyone knows all the lyrics and everyone's real pumped to be there. On a side note, I won tickets to that. Really? Yes. I literally won tickets. From msn i think i still had a hotmail
1: brilliant they were giving out tickets (laughs) i think
0: they were like please stay (laughs) (laughs) gmail had just been invented (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah it was great how
1: exciting yeah i guess that leads us into our very first part of the show where you're going to tell me and the listening audience about how this dvd came into your life yeah so or, also i guess about that 2007 myth experience
0: yeah it was my first myth experience because mm. i was at film school at the time and was probably feeling i think well i guess it was the middle of my first year and i was still like a bit into it i ended up dropping out of film school um because it just didn't feel right for me and also, was very like suddenly inundated, felt very naive, was from the country, grew up without TV. Um, <laughs> felt like, you know, like we talked about when we did the the film Garden State, you know, that was my first kind of... uh, uh, For me, I was like, Garden State is such a cool indie... Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) This is it for cinema.
1: It's overwhelming, isn't it, when you understand that, yeah...
0: The enormity of the directors. Mm. And people were spouting directors' names, like, you know, left, right and centre. Are you
1: you telling me there were wankers at film school? I
0: know. My mind
1: has been... Obliterated. who
0: would have thought (laughs) sorry if you went to film school Um, yes we're sorry for you (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah and I felt really I felt pretty out of place there I found like people who I got along with and you know there was definitely good people there as well but felt very intimidated by the depth of knowledge that people had about directors who I had never heard of and the depth of knowledge that people had about film in general And I was still very much learning. But we got given... As part of film school, we were given a passport for MIFF. Wow. Yeah, so a passport is one of the passes that gets you into heaps of sessions. In fact, or any session. Yeah, I think think so. For the passport, it's like unlimited number of movies you can go and see. It costs about $300. Mm. And we were given them as part of our film school course costs and whatever. So I got one of those and I went to see like so many films.
1: Yeah, as you would.
0: Yeah. Like over... I don't know how many. I was seeing three a day and because film school was uh, on a break because of myth, yeah. so everyone was like going and seeing at least three a day and we were there oh, for the whole the time. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. I can't remember a lot of what I watched because <laughs> because it was um, so much film crammed into each day. But Black St. Moan, I don't remember seeing it at the cinema, oh, yeah. but I obviously liked it enough that I found it I think I got this delivered so I don't think I went and bought it from a Ooh, I would have found ordering
1: it ordering DVDs online. Yes,
0: I would have yep. ordered it online and got it sent to me. So that's how it came into my life. And since then I've, you know, been to me multiple times but have never right. seen that many. Yeah. in one go. But your mum is saying.
1: Yeah, my mum's saying 49 films yeah. this year, so yeah. she gets into it. Yes. Yeah. That was
0: about that was my level at that. It was like 55, 60 films yeah. in total. Yeah. Exhausting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But amazing. Mm
1: hmm. Yeah. Why do you think this one stood out to you from um, those 55 films? I'm sure others did, but.
0: Yeah, there were definitely others that I loved and that I can remember as well. But for this one, I think it was. Well, it's hard to remember And I don't want to complicate or confuse it With what I think of the film now I just think I liked the, that it was a really different story It was a story that I hadn't really seen before It was Ooh, yeah. kind of strange and kind of dark um, And dealt with mental illnesses And I liked the relationship between the two main characters mm-hmm. um, Christina Ritchie's character and Samuel L Jackson's character And I liked, I think I liked the music as well The music is a big part of this film Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Beautiful music. Yeah. Great. And that's it. Well, for those of you who are listening for the first time, the next section of our podcast is where me, the person who has not seen the film before, <laughs> gives a plot description of the film. Yeah.
0: So just give us a rundown because I'm guessing that a lot of people probably haven't seen this film. Yeah.
1: It can't. And later on when we talk about its release and where it happened, we can talk about why people why? might not have seen that film. Yeah. So, basically, there's two stories we start with. Uh, Lazarus, mm-hmm. uh, he's a guy, he's a farmer. His wife has slept with his brother and is leaving him.
0: That's This is played by Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, that's
1: Lazarus. Yep. Lazarus is Samuel L. Jackson. And he's down the dumps about that. Yep. Uh, on the other hand, we've got Christina Ritchie, who plays Ray. Ray, yep. And she is living with her husband, Justin Timberlake. Boyfriend. Boyfriend, yes, boyfriend, you're right, that's a plot point later. A <laughs> boyfriend, Justin Diblake who's just about to go on a tour with the army.
0: yep so he's like we when we open on on the first kind of scene, he's all dressed in his army yep clothes and packing ready and to go.
1: Getting driven away. Yep. So he goes off. We find out Christina Ritchie is a sex addict. Yeah. So with her boyfriend gone, she kind of goes on a bit of a bender. Yeah,
0: She's pretty stressed about him going, pretty anxious about him going. Yeah. yeah so that, with... And that's how she copes with that anxiety and that stress.
1: That's it. That and a lot of pills.
0: Yes. She's a great character, very like uh, white trash, mm. kind of what you would characterize as being white trash.
1: That's it. Yeah. Um, she goes to a party and ends up in the car with this guy who beats her up.
0: Who is her boyfriend's best friend. Yes. Who tries to sleep with her... She says... She's like, no. She makes a joke about Makes it. a joke like, about He's how small his dick is. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> a classic way to get to a man.
1: That's it. He beats her up, leaves her for dead. Turns out he leaves her for dead outside Lazarus's house.
0: Yeah. Outside he, his driveway.
1: That's it. He finds her, takes her in, fixes her up. Yeah. Then finds out from talking around town about, I, I guess, her sex addiction. Yeah. And decides he wants to cure her. Yeah. So he chains her up in yep. the house. <laughs> and... <laughs> Works to try and cure her. He's good friends with the local priest, yep. who comes over, sort of puts him on the right track, and says this whole chain thing's not great. Yep. He frees her, but they end up becoming
0: good friends. Good friends. Yeah.
1: And then the rest of the film is sort of about them finding retribution through each other.
0: Yeah. Finding peace, finding freedom.
1: Yeah. Through through each safe. other and through a rediscovery of Lazarus's blues music. Yep. Yeah. Which is really good. Justin Timberlake comes back. Turns out he wasn't cut out for the army. He's actually suffering from anxiety.
0: Yeah. So he has... We see it right in the first scene. He has a. He has a, like a panic attack and throws up. And she's like helping him through that just before he gets in the car to leave. Yeah. And this is explored further now when he gets back. That's
1: it. He comes back. His best friend basically says, your girlfriend's been sleeping around. Um, you're an idiot for not knowing it. Justin Timberlake finds out that Ray's been living with lazarus assumes that lazarus and her have been getting it on yeah he comes to kill lazarus yeah lazarus talks him out of it yeah gets the priest over they have a chat yeah and we end with everyone sort of not fixed but everyone helping each other out
0: so in the end um christina richie's character ray and justin Timberlake's character ronnie get married and that's like a nice happily ever after scene but as they're driving off to like their happily ever after he has a panic attack In the car, as these like trucks are kind of blaring past him and trying to get past him as he's driving, and he has a panic attack, has to pull over. She also starts having a bit of a panic attack, but she kind of gets herself through it, and then helps him get through his panic attack. And that's how the film ends. Really, a
1: beautiful ending there.
0: I I really love that ending because it was like acknowledging that um, mental illness isn't a quick fix. It doesn't something that just goes away. Marriage doesn't fix it. Marriage doesn't fix (laughs) it. Life isn't happily ever after just after you know you put the ring on there's there's ongoing things that you need to work
1: through so now it's time for you to give a review of the film through your miscoloured glasses
0: <laughs> i don't know if it is rose colored glasses because maybe your expectations are higher when you're like this was mm. such a great film and then you go back and you're like no nah, this is not a good film yeah i have neither of those feelings towards this film it didn't blow me away at all but it was, I thought it was pretty solid. It wasn't engrossing the whole way through. There was definitely times when I was like, oh yeah, kind of, I could be distracted quite easily. But once we get into the relationship between Ray and Lazarus, that was where that was the interesting part for me. Um, and that kind of kept it going a little bit longer. And then I think, you know, it's one of those ones that maybe it's a bit of a slow burner or like there's, once you understand that it's not meant to be real as such, like it's it's really... Yeah. A, it's like a, a fable or they talk about it as being a fable, as being like a almost mythological in some ways. And yeah, once you understand it like that and you kind of think about the fact that, you know, what are the core kind of themes here or what are, what are the um, metaphors that are being used and what is the messages underneath that? And I think that's where the film has its strengths. But I wouldn't... Um,
1: be right telling anyone to run out and No, say it.
0: definitely not, yeah. no. And I can understand why it wouldn't have got a worldwide release, mm. um, even though it's got some stars in it. It's very much an independent film. It's very much something that's a bit niche and, you know, it takes would take the audience a little bit longer to sink their teeth into. I love the music. I thought that was great. It's filled with blues, and you can tell that the everyone who works on it, but well, especially the director, um, has a real passion for blues music in particular. It's set down in Nashville, and it's very much, you know, that kind of feel... What do you think?
1: Yeah, it was an interesting journey for me, this film, because I was only really subject to the advertising for it, mm. which we can talk a bit about later, but I don't think it represents the film at all. We might well talk about it now. Well, yeah, look, on the cover of the film, you've got Samuel L. Jackson standing, holding a chain that's wrapped around Christina Ricci. Yep. Uh, all the marketing I remember was very much, this is a sexy film, this is a film really? full of sex, she's a nymphomaniac, and this guy has got her on a chain right so i was expecting something pretty gross to be honest
0: oh okay
1: i thought i was forever on the edge of my seat that things were going to go very dark
0: and like between their relationship would turn dark yeah Yeah, okay um
1: that something quite bad would happen so i was really i guess pleasantly surprised about how how nice the messaging of this film is yeah the whole chain sequence and even like doing some research on this film before watching it there was still a lot of focus on the chain the chain was a real chain she wore yes um
0: it's amazing in the like i watched the making of um on the dvd and she she chose the chain herself so the director got out like a bunch of different chains a bunch of different weight like fake chains and whatever no real chains and she was like picking out the real chains and then she was like this is the one and he was like oh okay we'll get a fake one made up and lighter, she said yeah. a lighter one yeah because you can't just wear this you know the whole time we're filming it all mm. rub and whatever and she was like no i need a real chain so it was a real it's quite a heavy chain yeah, it a looks big, big heavy painful. chain yeah
1: but really the whole i thought the whole chain thing was going to make up so much more of the film but really like he puts her on the chain and then realizes the fault of his ways yep. and sort of has a, a big dialogue about people can choose how to live their lives i yep. just want to help i just want to yep. help people in yep. a really nice yep. nice way so I was really pleasantly surprised by that. Also, because when I started watching it, I was already sort of, I guess, primed to be ready to dislike some of those elements. At the end, I was really overly critical and I I picked up (laughs) on a lot of sort of filming mistakes.
0: Oh, really? Um,
1: Right at the start, there's a scene where Lazarus is having a uh, meeting with his wife who's left him. In the cafe. Yes, and the waitress comes over and says, can I get you guys some coffee?
0: Yeah.
1: Right? And they say, yeah, sure. And then it seems like no time passes. She says, look, I want to leave you, and I'm going to leave now. And then they've both got coffee cups.
0: Oh, God, I didn't even... I know, and it just...
1: Because <laughs> oh. I was already primed to be angry, I saw that, and I was like, well, no one put any care into this. This is a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> that was right
0: at the start. It is. It's right at the start. <laughs>
1: yeah. Then um, as Ronnie, uh, yeah. Justin Timberlake's leaving, keeps coming back to Christina Ric- Ritchie, and um, her shirt is hanging off her shoulder oh, at all so different heights. there's, like, hikes. some
0: continuity errors.
1: Yeah, and I was just like, well, this is going to be trash because I thought from there it was going to be, like, now he captures her and, like, sex slave sort of stuff. And yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Is that what you thought? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't, I've didn't. i not seen any of the advertising for it, so I think well, I went into it at not knowing what it was.
1: Christina Ritchie came out during the film's advertising and said, this is awful. It's yeah, right. It's become some sort of, like, she said, they're trying to market towards college boys and make it some sort of, like, gross sex thing. Yeah. And if you look at the the poster of her in the chain and stuff too, and she's like, this was not the point of the movie and not the movie I signed up for.
0: She's not actually in a chain on the cover of the DVD. Oh, maybe
1: it's the poster. It might be the poster. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah, I'm glad she did that. Yeah, me too. And that sucks. I mean, that's when, I guess, as a director um, and as actors, you kind of lose creative control and you hand it over to the distribution companies and whatever else, whoever else is involved, and then suddenly...
1: That's what happens? <laughs> well, that's it, and um, Paramount Vantage is famous for completely cocking up advertising budgets and budgets of the films and why they ended up going down the toilet. So, right. Paramount Vantage was a spin off of Paramount, yeah. So, there was a trend in Hollywood at the time that everyone needed their boutique studio. Oh, so they like the turned the indie version, they're, they're, yeah, the indie <laughs> one. So, yep. um, Sony Pictures Classics is yep. the Sony one paramount vantage took over from paramount classics right they run into a lot of uh good luck to begin with um with no country for old men oh great um and they're like yeah you're doing the right thing weren't making a dime though yeah. and then just had a couple of ones that sort of faltered black Stag moment was actually right in that um stretch of things kind of going all right so i think it got ignored but then they
0: went downhill after went
1: downhill and um like almost every other boutique studio that the studio set up got turned into something that was just instead made to create B-films. Right. So they suddenly went, why are we trying to win Oscars? Instead, let's make another 30 Texas Chainsaw Massacres. (laughs) 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 And we've watched them
0: all and we'll review them
1: here. (laughs) That's it. So sorry to go on that bit of a tangent there, but the advertising, poorly advertised films is something that Paramount Vantage was sort of famous for. Yep. And I think this sort of leads into it. It's sort of someone who has nothing to do with the film went to market it and went for... The lowest hanging fruit which yep. here was there's a sexy lady yeah in a um, chain in a chain yeah that's that's what this story is about but
0: the chain isn't this is one of the like when you understand the film or like when you really get to grips with the film the chain isn't at all about sex or anything it's about um connection and community and having someone that's there for you to trust yeah. like because she the chain is her anchor in the end and when she's having her panic attack right at the end she as part of her wedding ceremony she gets a chain put around her waist by Ronnie's character and when she's having this panic attack after they've pulled over and she's like getting those thoughts about herself and kind of doing having the the feeling before she goes and sleeps with someone, she holds onto that chain and it calms her down and it's all about that connection and that remembering that you have a community. So yeah. Uh,
1: And I guess that's really what completely coloured my viewing of the film was I was ready for this, what I thought was going to be a kind of schlocky gross thing. yeah, And then I was just actually really happy at the end of it so <laughs> like this is this is nice but as you said it's not nice as in okay great now you're cured it was sort of saying living living with your experiences living with who you are and coming to terms yeah. with it yep. you see that both through Ray's character and also with Lazarus who yep. you find out halfway through the picture that Lazarus's wife had an abortion yeah he'd always wanted children she didn't yeah and it's really a catharsis about that yep. i think that gets him through and yep. understanding that his music isn't evil yeah his music something that can help him through these these times.
0: Yeah, and can bring everyone together as well. You mm. see this great scene where they end up going down to one of the pubs and he re, you know brings out his guitar again and, and revisits his days as a blues musician that would perform and everyone would dance to, and that's a great scene where uh, there's heaps of people there and everyone's come out to see him play, and, you know, that's a really nice scene. Mm.
1: Which, again, I think I yeah, wouldn't mind watching it again and really enjoying that moment because I was just on the edge of my seat saying, okay, this is where things spiral out of control and, you know... There's another... Everyone gets oh, drunk yes. and there's something awful there's something happens. Something
0: terrible is going to happen to her, yeah. Especially because Ronnie sees her just, in well, there.
1: That was actually one of my favourite shots. There's this beautiful scene of um, Lazarus playing the guitar and Ray dancing and everyone having a good time. And then right at the end it pans past the band to see Ronnie sort of just sneaking in. And yep. the camera is only there for a second and it's a hard cut to black. Yeah. But it gives you this ominous feel that yep. things are going to change. Things could turn. So I guess long way of going about it, I actually really enjoyed myself during this film. Yeah, but good. Uh, in a similar way to you, it's more so I'm, I'm glad I've seen this one. Yeah. But don't... Run out to see it. Don't run out to see it and I'm not going to hold it up as sort of...
0: The best film ever made. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you must have been so nervous then because there's another scene right at the end when um, Lazarus is playing his guitar just for Ray and she starts having that panic attack again and we see these memories of she, her abuser. She was sexually abused by her mum's boyfriend when she was mm. quite young and we see these like flashbacks of him coming into her room and you don't see anything graphic at all, but it's really hinted and you can see it kind of cuts between the past and the present. And she's really gripping onto, um, to Lazarus's leg at that t- point. Would, did that make you anxious as oh, well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so beautiful. Like, the fact that there's no... He just doesn't want to have sex with her at all. Like, he's just like, that's not our relationship. Yeah, Um, It's more like a father-daughter relationship, I guess. And that's something he's obviously always wanted kids, like you just said. So he gets to be that parental role or have that parental um, role for somebody. And that must be part of his catharsis too. That must be part Mm -hmm. of his coming to terms with things. So the film was released... In 2006.
1: So I think it is still sort of too recent to see if it stands the full test of time. I know that That's was a true. while ago, but I don't think anything in there sort of jumps out now as being outrageous. There it, was a lot
0: of like um, homophobic language again, but but like we've talked about before, probably just true of the time and place. Like yeah, yeah. and
1: it really helped, You know, using language like that really does build. Characters, yeah, it wasn't, quickly, it wasn't it used make in a positive you, way, yeah, was it? It was, no. it was
0: always used in it, it was used by the characters we weren't meant to like. That's it, yeah. Um,
1: shows sort of how backward people that are. That place was, yeah. And yeah.
0: I don't think there was much in it that really jarred me at all.
1: I think the interesting thing is that it, it does take an approach to mental illness, yeah. Quite, um,
0: and also the like masculine, the idea of like a, a really macho man and how damaging that can be because i think that's part of like this character of ronnie isn't particularly macho he's not particularly like you know hyper masculine in any way and and he's represented as an important person still and an important character in someone's life
1: yeah Yeah. but i i think just the way that they sort of have to sort of um, hit the audience with the i have anxiety disorder yeah i feel like these days you might have a bit more trust in the audience to sort of understand Pick it up. Yeah. on that, which is probably a good, a good thing. Yeah, it's
0: progress. Yeah. yeah, definitely.
1: But I think that's the only really thing, real thing that um changes stuff up there a bit.
0: Yeah, it was really interesting watching the special features, and maybe we'll just merge into that now. Yeah, and can talk a little bit about both at the same time but during the special features the writer was talking about how he had actually suffered these anxiety attacks before so he very much the character of ronnie and to a certain extent the character of ray had stemmed from his own experiences with anxiety and panic attacks particularly that scene where right at the end where the trucks come past because he had a conversation with his wife about it and he was like look i'm having these these feelings and i'm having these kind of emotions and she kind of I think she was more aware of, you know, anxiety and mental health in some way because she said, oh, I have those too. You know, that's an anxiety attack. And um, it happens to me all the time, especially when I'm on the freeway and I get overtaken by multiple trucks, Mm. which we can all, uh, if you're a driver, you know, that feeling.
1: Yeah.
0: Trapped and vulnerable. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Clueless sums it up perfectly, I think. (laughs)
0: yes that scene in Clueless oh my god scary yeah that I found that was really interesting he really injected a lot of himself into this film Mm. yeah and he had a great team who really believed in him and, and went with him on that
1: I think the kind of weirdness of the film comes from so much sort of just being poured into the blender that became the movie you know like I love blues music I want to explore anxiety. <laughs> yeah. um, I think religion's got a huge part oh, for in this Lassa, film. It
0: does, and for the director as well, yeah. he talks about his religion and his faith. Yeah.
1: Yes, religion, of course, must play a big part in his career because the film that he went on to direct after this was, do you know?
0: No.
1: The remake of Footloose
0: oh yeah why is that religious what it's it's all
1: about religion they they ban the dancing oh the church bans the dancing and then he has to come up and say hey no dancing's great i don't think i've ever seen footloose um don't worry you will (laughs) okay (laughs) yes craig brewer was the director and he's directed something else recently too
0: he's done quite a few things the one he did before this was hustle and flow um which had got quite good reviews
1: Uh, Then, most recently...
0: Oh, he did Katy Perry Part of Me.
1: Sorry. And Dolomite Is My Name, which has got a bit of Oscar buzz this year. Oh, cool. For Eddie Murphy. Uh, He didn't direct Katy Perry Part of Me. He was a producer on it.
0: Oh, I see. Her dad's a pasta. mm A piece of pasta. (laughs) Sorry. I I can never get over the name
1: pasta. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, also, uh, that film also has a look at the effects of mental health.
0: The Dolomite one?
1: No, um... Katy Perry, pardon oh, me. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Do you have it on DVD? I do not have oh, it on DVD, <laughs> unfortunately. Yes. But one thing, just thinking about how it holds up today, but I don't think this is—I don't think this is probably changed, and, and we are not the people to talk about this at all. But they were talking a lot in the behind the scenes in the featurette, the making of featurette. They talked a lot about um, how nervous they were about having a movie that ties a white girl up in the deep south of America having a white girl a young white girl tied up by a black man yeah and there was a lot of um african-americans who worked on the on the set and who worked who were producers and you know big parts of it and i think they would kind of look at each other every now and then and be like oh fuck. <laughs> like, you know in, oh. they've talked about you know if this had been done 30 years earlier 20 years earlier they would have been lynched you know
1: well that's uh, i guess also the um advertising lent into that too in the imaging Right, Like, it's, you know, it was very awful. she has been it was,
0: made to be the predator in the... In, in the advertising really? material.
1: I just think that the poster itself plays into that yes. a bit. I, you know, a bit of dog whistling to a crowd.
0: I'll put... I'll find some of the, um, the posters that they use for advertising, put it up on Instagram. Yeah. I didn't find that, I guess, because I saw it before I saw any of the advertising material. But yeah. I still haven't seen any of the advertising. But even the cover doesn't necessarily have that. I mean, to a certain extent, but not as much as oh, this sounds like the advertising did
1: yeah. yeah that also leads me a little bit to a conversation about the acting i think the two leads samuel L. jackson and christina Ritchie, are just amazing yeah i thought both of them were great yeah justin timberlake still <laughs> getting his legs in the acting world i feel
0: i think it was one of his very first yes roles
1: but just the the uh, it just reminded me of that too because you can sort of see him in this character not being and I guess it plays well to the character too, but I found it especially at the end where he comes to confront Lazarus and think that Lazarus has been sleeping with Ray. Yeah. He has to use the N-word. Yeah. And you can see it actually in Justin Timberlake a little bit that he he's he very anything. uncomfortable with yeah. it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's uncomfortable being such a, a horrible person. Yeah.
0: By all well, accounts, he's a lovely person. That's just <laughs> it. I, just, I honestly
1: <laughs> think that, yeah. Yeah. It was a big jump into acting for yes. him there. Yes,
0: yeah. Um, and he's done. he's gone on to do a couple more things here and there. Oh, yeah, social network. Oh,
1: yeah, true. You know? Yep, that's right. Um, um, what's that one, the Coen Brothers one about uh, music with uh, that good-looking guy from the Star Wars?
0: Which Star Wars? The
1: recent Star Wars. Maybe um, just Google it quickly. I'm going to look that up. Um, Oscar... Wild. No, not Oscar Isaac.
0: I don't know this movie.
1: Yeah, Oscar Isaac's in it. Inside Llewyn Davis.
0: Ah, oh, yeah. That Cohen Brothers movie. I do remember that film. Yeah. I've not seen it.
1: No, me either. Um, so Justin
0: Timberlake's in that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, his name is right there.
1: But a lot of people that seem to be into Cohen Brothers sort of say, like, that's the underrated great one.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one that you have to be in the know to get behind. Yep. Yeah. That was everyone at film school. Yeah, that's <laughs>
1: it. <laughs> great. What else do you want to say about this film? One interesting story I found out while I was learning about it after I'd seen it, and it relates back to that chain story about Christina Ritchie having that heavy um, chain on. She really got into the role, so she purposely malnourished herself. Oh wow! Um, to look sort of extra skinny and yeah. poor and not looking after herself. Yeah. But one of the things that she did is she, for a lot of the film, she's in her underwear. Because yeah. that's how um, Lazarus finds her. Yeah. By she's the side in her underwear
0: row. with a very cropped um shirt on which kind of shows the underside of her boobs yeah almost
1: so on set she refused to put on a coat when they weren't filming she wanted to stay cold and uncomfortable and samuel L. jackson apparently kept on being like put clothes on put some clothes on should... <laughs> <laughs> please yes, yes. <laughs> but no she wanted to, uh, <laughs> to really... really stay in character yeah so she was saying i'm, I'm doing something here i'm yeah. becoming this character i yeah it paid off, it's a great performance, yeah. but it also just, sometimes you think when actors are doing this, like the purposeful malnourishment, you're just like, oh God, oh, you, hear, you yourself. You hear a lot of <laughs> yeah. stories about that
0: stuff and it's such a, um, it's dedication and good on them, I couldn't do it. Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> I like to be comfortable.
1: I'm doing Drudge a Lion, it's killing me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yikes, that is hard. <laughs> Overall, I, I liked it. I'm glad I watched it again. But I am probably going to... Oh, yeah. So the
1: big part of the show. Yeah. It's coming up right now. Those of you who are here for the decluttering, Becky's going to tell us, will she keep the DVD or will she not?
0: I'm going to give it away.
1: Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, if, if anyone is passing through a used DVD shop, what do we call it? An op shop. And you see Black Snake Moan, it might be one to pick up.
0: Definitely. Yeah, It's definitely worth a watch. Yeah. If you find it, don't go out of your way, but if you find it somewhere, watch no. it. If it comes on like, you know, some random... Maybe it's on SBS World Movies. I don't know. Yeah, like, it's, it's got a good be.
1: selection. It's not on Stan or Netflix, unfortunately. No,
0: not on Stan or Netflix. You could buy it from iTunes or Google, Google Play, Play etc. Any um, of those ones. Yeah, but it's on... PlayStation I've... Store. Oh, really? One. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Mm. I appreciated watching it again. I got a lot out of watching it again, but I'm, ha- I'm ready to say goodbye. Yes. Fair <laughs>
1: enough. Give it a send-off. I'm not going to fight you on that decision. Do you want it? Then we could do it again in in a year's time, season two. Where did you get this DVD, Paul? It's a funny story, story. actually. Uh, No, I think that that's fair enough. All right, fair. Great. Well, does that bring us to the end? I think it does.
0: Thank you so much for listening, guys. We really, really appreciate your support and, you know, your likes and subscribes on the Instagram and on the uh, Twitter. And if you can give us a review on the iTunes store, we'd also really appreciate that. Even if you just click on the stars, that'd be great. That really helps other people find us. Yeah. Yeah. And tell your friends,
1: tell your neighbors. And make sure you're making contact with us on the socials. Yes. So that's on Twitter or on Instagram. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: We're at um DVD Clutter.
0: That's DVD E C L U T T E R. Yeah, and you can also
1: send us an email at Gmail.
0: Oh yeah, you can too. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> checked
1: that in the inbox for a while though. so no, me neither. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe get user uh, use Twitter or Instagram as your first point of call.
1: That's a great idea. One more thing to do. What are we going to look at next week?
0: Next week we're going to look at one of your films. Yes. And we're sticking with the, even though it's a Melbourne International Film Festival, yeah. we like to focus on Australian film.
1: That's just it. Yeah. And we're going to look at a film called The Mule.
0: Yeah, with Angus Sampson's in it.
1: Hugo Weaving and Noni Hazlehurst.
0: It's a star-studded cast. Yeah.
1: I mean... If what... you're from Australia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah yes uh, that was very specific to australian audiences yes what are you going to do with it i wonder
1: you'll have to find out next week on dvd clutter tune in beck
0: oh look i will be (laughs) thank you so much everybody and we'll see you next week bye okay do you want to start that little bit again
1: (laughs) i thought that was great